Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two guys high-fiving with words, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today we are having another Assumption Roundtable. So it's not only me, it's not only Mikey, we have that guy Brad. Hey there. And not Scott. Good to be with you. And the Assumption we are doing today is Eternals, because it's just dropped on streaming like a week or so ago. Disney Plus, yep. Yeah, Disney Plus. So we're going to talk about it now that everyone can see it with no excuses. Because it's on Disney Plus. Well, unless you don't have Disney Plus. But Obvious spoiler alerts. Yeah, we'll spoil it. Um, you've had plenty of time to watch it. So, Eternals. What is Eternals? It is the latest movie in the new phase of the MCU. The 26th movie, I think? Yes, yeah, so the 26th movie. It's based on the um, Jack Kirby Eternals comics. And it uh, stars... Oh, oh, wait, first, it was directed yeah. by Chloe Zhao. Mm-hmm. Academy Award-winning Chloe. Or Zhao? Chloe Zhao. Zhao Zhao. I say Zhao. Zhao like whip. Okay. Zhao, not Zhao. It stars a giant cast because this is a huge ensemble movie. Yes. Sort of. Um, we have uh, Gemma Chan as Cersei, Richard Madden as Icarus, Angelina Jolie as Athena, Salma Hayek as Ajax, Kamal Nanjiani as Kingo, Woo. Leah McHugh as Sprite, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, Lauren, I'm running out of breath. Lauren Ridhoff as Makari. <laughs> Barry Keough as Druig. And Don Lee as Gilgamesh. Those are the main <sighs> players. And Kit Harrington as a, be, as well, a yes. sort of a bit There's part. Kit, That's right. Kit Harrington. Fresh uh, off the Har- cast of Hawkeye. Kit Harrington, Harish Patel, uh, Bill Sarsgaard are in it as well in side roles. I did have to bring up Kit Harrington because Brad was like, oh, he's like, he's discount Kit Harrington when we were talking I about Hawkeye. I could have sworn it was the same sort of dollar store uh, uh, Kit but, Harrington that it was in Yeah, in so Hawkeye. what did you think when I you was first so saw okay. the real Jon Snow? Uh, my, my whole thing, the overwhelming thesis statement is, why does everybody have to look like everybody else? <laughs> but we'll get to that when the time comes. But this justifies why he wasn't in Hawkeye, because he was busy That's doing right, Eternals. That's right, was some other guy who just looked like him. <laughs> They wasn't available. They had to get cheap Johnson. Oh, what a huge cast of characters, though. It was it, it was, was entertaining. It, there was a lot of muscle in there. It was huge. So, what are the Eternals? Was what everyone said when they announced this, mostly, except for our buddy Not Scott over here. Yeah, because the rest of us were like, "What?" He's, he's a comic book collector. Well, full full disclosure: aware of Eternals, but little out of my wheelhouse. But I would say, out of the four of us. Most aware of the Eternals. Yeah, I totally had him confused with the Immortals. I kept waiting for a giant dog to show up, and the dude who, like, (laughs) shout kills people, and they live in a cloud. they're certainly not Inhumans, because I don't think we're ever going to acknowledge that show existed, unfortunately. So, before we get into what this version is about, what did you know of the Eternals, Scott, before them? Like, when they announced it, you're like, oh, Eternals, I know this about it. They were part of the the cosmic realm of the Marvel Universe and all the comic books. Again, I was more on the street-level guys, the Daredevils, Mm -hmm. Punishers, and those. But the Eternals, again, you're aware of them. I don't know that I can tell you too much more about them other than they were part of the universe I never paid that much attention to. Yeah, and they're more... They are (laughs) specifically Jack Kirby. It's all Jack Kirby's brainchild. That's right. 
Um, most of the other things are Stan Lee or Stan Lee and Jack Kirby together, but this is just Jack Kirby. How far back do they go? When when did they get introduced? Do we know? Are they decades old? Oh, 70s. Sorry. 70s? Okay. I want to say 70, what I was 72. Wondering. Okay. Yeah. Call so, me on internet, I dare you. <laughs> sometimes we're wrong, so you'll write us. <laughs> yes. That's what our corrections department is for. So the little synopsis I have here is, in 5000 BC, a group of 10 immortal individuals descend upon Earth to protect humanity from the deviants. They are the Eternals, who have been sent from their home planet of Olympia on the Domo by the prime celestial Arishem. Throughout the centuries, the Eternals continue to relocate to other growing civilizations and defend them from the deviants, although they are barred from, by Arishem from interfering with human conflicts and allowing them to evolve naturally. So there's lots of Eternals. They go to different planets that have, like, life on them, and they protect the life from the Deviants. Their job is to help. So their job is to help the people. Um, they're not supposed to... They almost have, like, this almost kind of like Star Trek-y, don't interfere. Yeah, first uh, first contact. Yeah. Other than killing the things that are trying to kill them. Otherwise, don't interfere. <laughs> yeah, and never mind the fact that their bosses have the same job as the Deviants, but in a different way, in the way their whole thing works. Yeah, that is the crux of the Eternals. They're there to promote life and help development happen with a hands-off, like, only interfere if the Deviants are involved. Is that the... I think that's the rule. That like, seems like the rule. If it, if it involves Deviants, they can interfere. If it doesn't involve Deviants, then let it happen. Right. I mean, that's how it starts out when we see them arriving in 5000 BC and changing a... The, they introduced the Bronze Age, I guess. I guess <laughs> humans didn't have anything to do with anything. It was all the Eternals who did it. Well, they helped. There were several examples of how they were the mythical figures. They were the characters that these stories were about. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, we got... So, Cersei's a known name of, um, like, a goddess. Icarus, mm -hmm. of course, is the legend of the boy who goes to the sun. Athena is supposed to be Athena. Ajax, we've heard... Kingo, I guess, is maybe is something I don't know. Comes from Babylonian mythology. Okay. It's kind of the Babylonian version of Hercules. And right. This is what a lot of very early Marvel stuff was. It, they drew from mythology. You know, Thor, got Thor, right? Thor. Sure. Yeah. Eros, who we meet in this movie. Mm -hmm. All the other uh, uh, Greek gods played a role in mm -hmm. many different occasions. Hercules and early Marvel. Yeah, they even came from Olympia, right? Isn't that the planet? In the comic was... books, it really was a planet. Olympia was a yeah. planet. And well, that's what they said where they came from. Well, that, right. And that we'll get to that, too, because some weird stuff comes up with that, which makes me wonder about all the Thor stuff and where right. all that fits, too. Yeah, does the planet Olympia factor into the nine realms of Thor? They don't really, they don't address it, so it's. I guess it's no. a question, but... Well, in the MCU, at least from my takeaway from the movie, was Olympia's not a place. That's what Ereshim said, right? Olympia well, doesn't exist. Eventually. It's fake. I made you in this big space station. Oh, yeah. That looks like a turnip. The Great Forge. Yeah, yeah the Star Forge, right? Star not Forge? a Star Forge. No, that was, I think, like, yeah, Great Forge. But that's not a place we've seen before, been referenced you, before. Okay. But here's a plus for me. Like, I have no... I have no connection with the Eternals. Never Same. even knew they were a team. Never even knew they were a people. But I am a huge mythology nerd, and the fact that they take these characters and sort of, I guess, take loose inspiration from their mythologies is really cool, because like, they kind of relate, but they don't, and it's a, if you do know mythology, it is sort of an easy end to understand these characters, because there's a lot of them, and they only, each one only gets so much time. Sure. It was called the World Forge. I found the it. The World Forge. You had it in your the notes, World didn't you? Forge. I did have it in <laughs> my notes. Did you have it underlined? Yes, I did. See, right there. Have you ever thought about highlighters? Well, I didn't have a <laughs> highlighter. He winds up eating them. 
I needed to write. I needed to write and underline, so I used a marker. The World Forge, yes. The World Forge. Yeah, th- this is discovered later. So we usually go like beat by beat, but overarching. We didn't want to do a ten part show. We don't. I meant the this movie was long. This movie was really long. Two two forty five, two thirty. Full disclosure: It took me three tries to watch it all. Yeah, yeah it's I, about it clocks in about two forty. Yep. Yeah, I think it's two forty eight. I think is the. I'm okay with a long movie. Let's make it interesting, though. <laughs> if it's if it's it's paced right, yeah. If it's paced right, so as everyone's probably they're like, oh, this movie. I've heard a lot of this movie's a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad things in this movie. We'll address that as we go through. But I also have the eight biggest problems from Direct.com. They kind of aggregated what they saw over all of the reviews with the eight biggest problems. We'll get to that okay. near the end. So we'll do that there, but. We're just going to kind of go through what we saw and thought of the movie overarching as a film. The movie itself was beautiful. All on location shooting. There's very little soundstage in this movie. Again, those of us, I I think all of us, miss the days of practical effects. And again, part of practical effect is filming on location. location. Although there's a balance that you can have between digital effects and practical effects. We see some good examples of that later, of te- teetering one side or the other. I did enjoy some of the beautiful locations. I enjoyed some of the shots. Yeah, because this movie goes all over the place. We like we start off like five thousand BC, mm-hmm. I guess. Yep. Which one quick nitpick? We get this whole spiel up front about how it's the Celestials, Arisham being one of them. The first one. The first one, the Prime Celestial, right? And then Ajax is the Prime Eternal. They're responsible for the creation of the universe. But then the time jumps we get, which there are a whole bunch, like, you know, we're jumping back and forth in time, which is cool, but I think that only serves for reveals in this movie, but they're doing it BC AD. Like, that's based on Christianity. And you just told us that wasn't a thing, you that, know? If, if, if the opening scroll says, hey, the Celestials are responsible for it, so this is a minor, super nerdy nitpick, but I wanted it to be... Before Common Era and Common Era. I mean, right. come on. Like, that's that's the scientific thing of it. Well, oh. now, wait a minute. BCE. What, what is the point of subtext? It's to inform the viewer. True. The viewers understand the context of BCAD. Sure, sure. So and, I think that's, it's not in that story. No, they don't know what BC is, but that's what subtext is for, is to give us, the viewer, a, a perspective on context. Fair enough. And this movie had a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> well, yeah. There was a lot of explaining. So we're given a lot of flashbacks that are mostly between Cersei and Icarus, two Eternals who they have a relationship and they even get married. And, and it leads us to a Marvel first when yeah. they get married. Yeah, there's a lot of Marvel first in this. And one of those, the, the first Marvel... Uh, implied. Implied. Um, yeah. <laughs> brown chicken, wow, wow. Brown yeah. chicken, brown cow. Yeah, the brown chicken. We'll call it the brown chicken, brown cow. The first, we'll call it, we'll say what they said in the olden times. The lovemaking scene. Yeah. Which sounds even worse than just saying sexy. The olden times? Like the 80s? Well, they were making whoopee. They that's, were that's making like, there you go. whoopee they with com- no clothes on. They come to know each other. They come to know each other. Biblically. How many ways can we say it? <laughs> Should've just How said long it. have we spent saying <laughs> it? I know. It's hilarious. Yeah, that that was a first. Okay, fine. Um, naked shoulders. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> yes. So, like I said, there's a bunch of flashbacks. They're kind of interspersed through all. But the big flashback is like in, in the Spanish invading the Aztecs, and they're having a big battle there. And they've, I guess they've killed the last deviants. So they're like, 
we've killed the last deviants. What are we going to do now? And it's kind of like they're just sitting there killing each other. Can we just help them out? And some of them are like, no, we can't help them out. Our job is to stay away from them and just then protect it from the deviants. And they're like, well, the deviants are gone now. Mission so, accomplished. Mission accomplished. So can we help them now? And it's like, no, we can't help them. And then Druig, the guy who hit his head in the boat in the good movie, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to take care of this. And, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. The guy that hit his head. Yeah. Am I the only one that's not getting that? No idea what reference you're making. Druig. What else? Druig was, he was in? played by Barry Keogh. And what else do we know him from? I don't. Barry Keown was in Dunkirk. He was on the boat and he hit his head. Oh, yeah. It's that guy. He was in that movie. When I saw him, I was like, oh, that's the kid from Dunkirk. I thought it was interesting. I didn't put it together that that was the kid from Dunkirk. And I thought it was really interesting. At this point, they kind of pit him as you starting to figure him being one of the early bad guys or starting to maybe see the dissension. And you don't know. And, And I didn't know. And he's not very likable, at least the character. You know, so there I'm like, okay, he has a real kind of a. A dislikable power. Yes, like he can take away your agency, right? Which makes uh, slaves, servants, really scary. You can fly around, shoot lasers. That's cool. I'll watch that all. So this was the first time that I had a problem with, uh, or started to see the flaw in their whole deviants fighting the the whole thing. It's like, okay, great, you fight them, but you can't you can't help the humans. But then, what good are you? Why why are you? How good are you, I think, is the other question. Here's, you know? here's where I'll argue for the positive. Uh, Druig is probably my favorite of the Eternals. You just said he set, sets him up as a bad guy. That never came across to me. What Druig represents is the philosophical discussion because what this movie is different from older Marvel movies. This movie is not man on the street fighting a robot sure. that crashes into a building and then we see people in the building go, oh my God, my building's gone. This is like battle for humanity. This is global scale, celestials, and all that. Druig brings up the, the philosophy that now that the mission is done, the deviants are no more, what is the purpose of the Eternals? If we're here to protect humanity, why can we not keep doing that? And he wants to. Sure. Granted, his power is mind control, but he never wants. He never comes across as wanting to use that mind control for evil. He's just yeah, like... but that only takes you one place eventually. I think Thanos like argues for the other side of it, but Druig is like... His name is based on druids, which are priests of the earth, which is just natural, like, let things happen and assist where you can. And this, this battle that Kevin is talking about when it's this whole conquest, and he's, he gets mad. It's like, why can't we intervene? Like, sure. this doesn't need to happen. War doesn't need to happen. Death doesn't need to happen. But they're like, actually, it does. And he's like, I don't want people to die. That's good guy stuff. Yeah. So He wants to do right mm-hmm. just to do right, but... Yep. And then he decides, he goes, all right, well, I'm out of here. Deuces. And he leaves. This is like the breakup of the family, basically. Yep. They don't have anything to do. Meanwhile... This is in the Amazon, right? Uh, mean, yeah. Meanwhile, Thena comes down with this oh, condition called Mad Weary. Mad, mad Weary. They, mad weary. It's I, not spelled Mad Weary at all on my <laughs> notes. It's This is how it's in the mad script. Weary. It's spelled so strangely. So Thena comes down with Mad Weary, which... Uh, Apparently is something that can happen to Eternals where they go crazy. It's got a sickness. It's yeah. got a glitch. That's so. such a cool concept. So and so she starts attacking her friends, basically, the other Eternals and it's her time of the millennia. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they basically Ajax is like, I can fix this. I just have to erase your memory. That's it. And then they're like, she's like, I don't want to forget everything. And then Gilgamesh is like, I don't want her to forget everything. I'll take care of her. And then they head off together 
also establishing, which I think is the theme of this movie, is the relationships between people. Like right. you're talking about Cersei and uh, Icarus. Now we have Gilgamesh and Thena. Now this scene is a scene where everyone's together. For that, I think it's the only time everyone's really together, or the last time everyone's really together in a group. Yes. Right. So we got some heavy hitters here. We got Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek. There's there, there's so much. There's so much talent here. One of the questions is, why is this movie so badly critiqued when there's so much talent here? I mean, did you think all the performances of all the actors were fine? To yeah, some absolutely. extent. A lot yeah. of the ensemble stuff, but some of it, some of what they had to work with was just goofy. Yeah. You know, and so some of the dialogue comes across a little hokey. and It's a, it's a disconnect for me because, like, I don't know the Eternals as comic properties so i have nothing to fill that in but when i see angelina jolie it's really hard to say oh that's somebody else and not angelina jolie right because that's angelina jolie i love her she's great i I buy her as a powerful warrior eternal absolutely but what is her character i don't know it's just angelina jolie being cool right uh kumail nanjiani Uh, kevin and i have followed that dude Mm -hmm. from his indoor kids podcast and his stand-up comedy with meltdown I love Kumail. He was great. He was great. I have great. come to love Kumail because you guys have told me about him and See? I've checked him out. And he's great. He's hilarious. But there is a little bit of a disconnect there. Like, he, he fits the character absolutely, especially with this whole Bollywood story. But it's still hard to be like, that's a character and not my buddy Kumail. You okay, know? Well, that's you, though. That, oh, no. I mean, I understand no, the Angelina sure. Jolie right. thing, but I think the general public doesn't know who Kumail is. So, are we, are we is. speaking to the larger problems of this movie? Well, they even gave her the nicest costume or the most advanced or the the polishedest just one to try and take you out of it or bring her into the story a little more. But they didn't put a lot of that effort into a lot of the other characters, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. and some of them really look like they're wearing Fundaroos. You know, <laughs> and they, so you didn't have Which that same Which one looks effort. like they're wearing Fundaroos? What's her? Space Pocahontas? Who? Okay, it's Je- like... It's, you just took the microphone away from your mouth. Like, you, the argument's over. Like, you just dropped the it. mic, didn't you? But, but I don't but agree. But that's true. I think this is, this is a valid complaint from Brad that the costumes are sort I of... I really felt like some of them were phoned in. It was like, why does Salma Hayek get this great costume as Ajax? It does kind of harken back to some of the other Marvel properties where you have these bespoke leather outfits. And then you got Cersei in this onesie that she bought at Spirit for $39. <laughs> that is not what I take away from and the Icarus, costuming Icarus's all. costume, boring. Fasto's boring. Camille's was kind of cool. Kingo was kind of neat, but still looked very Bollywood. You didn't think it was great when Icarus comes on set and he's doing his whole dance, and you're kind of like, wow, his costume looks familiar. Yeah, it kind of took me out of all of it. Oh, I love that moment. When he walks up, he's like, look, it's your costume. And it was was a great non-Johnny moment. He kind of did it in his way, and his shoulders are kind of flexing. And I was hilarious. I was like, oh, it's like a bad version of... The real costume, it's great. Kingo does have a great entrance, and the like. The costumes to me strike me as a an X Men or a Fantastic Four. Like they all have to be in line. I wish they had make them more distinct based on their characters. Like Athena gets a cool one, sure, but I think they're tapping into the like. This is a team, so they all have to look like the Power Rangers, and everybody gets a different color, and that's kind of it. I don't know. I guess the point uh, that you kind of hit on a little bit that I kind of felt maybe as well that I didn't realize until you mentioned it is I think that this is an ensemble cast, right? Yep. I think that it is an unbalanced ensemble cast in that there's some like 
superstars in here. You know, the Salma Hayek, Angelina Jolie, people who have like they're leading ladies in their own movies for years and years and years. And now they're throwing in an ensemble cast with a bunch of people who belong in an ensemble cast. Sure, you got the guy who looks like Wong. You got the guy who looks like Bucky. You got the <laughs> guy who looks like uh, Kit Harrington. Oh, wait. No, that, that was, was Kit, Kit Harrington. Harrington. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a good well, bit. It's a funny bit. You you read off that whole list earlier, and I'm kind of afraid to admit, I know like half of those people sure, on so the list. Everybody. That's what I'm saying. Movie, but I, I, what I'm saying but you is... You read it off like I was supposed to know who it was, and I'm like, but what I'm, I'm looking saying at you is, guys, and y'all all act like y'all know who all them people are. And I was just nodding sagely. Well, oh, I'm prone to well okay, well... About half those people, I don't know who they are. Okay, well, Gemma Chan was in Crazy I know her. Richard, I know who she uh, is. Richard Madden was in yep. Game of Thrones. My daughter watching with her, she's like, right. oh, that's Prince Charming. Right. What was Gemma in, by the way? What do we know her from? She was in Crazy Rich Asians, wasn't she? Oh, okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that I think that what Mikey was kind of getting at, maybe, am I supporting you or not supporting, is that Angelina Jolie was too big for the role she was playing and it was distracting. Sure, she was outgunning her co-stars. Same with Selma Hayek. For me, but same Selma with Hayek was supposed Faistos. to be the prime eternal. True. Yes. So, and her role was very small and as far as screen so sort of valid. Yeah. So it's kind of like it came, I get that. That one's okay to me. But I kept going like, why is Angelina Jolie in here playing Wonder Woman? There you go. Sure. You know, that's a Gal Gadot. Should be Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. Should be playing Wonder Woman because... It's like, oh, I don't know who this person is, but this is her shot. You know, it, it seemed like that did take me out. I understand what you're saying. You kept going like, oh, there's Angelina. You never went, oh, there's Thena. Yeah, no. You know, when yeah. you're watching Wonder Woman, you're not like, oh, there's Gal Gadot. No, nope. no, you're like, oh, there's Wonder Woman. It's like there, there's that thing there. And I get that is, with Tom Cruise. Yeah, right. And But this is how Marvel's been. Marvel usually doesn't cast this high level. No, what? their casting is often surprised. Cumberbatch. Well, sure. Chris there's always exceptions. Okay. No, so Chris Pratt. No, 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 no. Awesome hold on. Hold on though. Hold on. Just different people. All of like hold on though. Well, known commodities. Hold on. Before they were not, but they're not Angelina Jolie. None of those people are. How Angelina many? Okay. Jolie. Well, there's okay. So you're saying there's only a handful of Angelina Jolie's. Not everyone is right. These that's, giant that's superstars who probably don't need to be in this. Like Kevin was implying, Angelina somebody jo else have that. Part Angelina Jolie is on the level of Tom Cruise. You said Tom Cruise seems like Tom me, Cruise. She to me is on that level. For let sure. me ask you this: What was the last Angelina Jolie you remember? I don't know. She's just super famous and is in tons of she things. Has, tremendous you, body she's of work. Not as relevant as she has been because she's been behind the camera. I think hadn't she been like directing and producing doesn't, stuff? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. She's yes. still, Angelina she's still Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if she hadn't made a movie in twenty years. This was I'm the wrong one to bring her back in. It would be like plucking. Be overrating Angelina Jolie. I'm not overrating Angelina Jolie. I'm not. I'm talking about her fame. It would be like plucking Arnold Schwarzenegger into a role in this. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be like, oh. You'd be like, oh, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was almost that way with Sylvester Stallone in Guardians of the Galaxy. It was right. a little distracting. You're right. like, oh, that's sly. Okay, I right. get it. It's it was tongue in cheek. It's distracting. It was, you know, they could pull off the joke, but... It's distracting. Yes, this was distracting. I, I agree. Thank you. They didn't bother me. Okay, well, it bothered three of us. don't get me wrong. I, I love, I love <laughs> those actresses. I don't think it... Mikey, did it actually bother you? Different... It, to the point that Kevin was supporting me earlier, it's it's a little imbalanced. If you're going to do a full ensemble, we're talking nine Eternals. Like that's ten. 
Ten Eternals? Ten that's, Eternals. That's one of the reasons, that's an obstacle this movie has to face, is you got to give ten people enough time to be like, hey, here's ten characters you need to learn about oh, and then and care cover, about. And cover 7,000 years. Even in two and a half hours, I right. still didn't give a nope. junk about any of them. That's, that's, an obst- that's an obstacle. But if you're doing ten people that you have to care about equally, do the Guardians of the Galaxy style. Guardians of the Galaxy did have Chris Pratt, which is a name, but it also had Zoe Saldana, which is a similar level of name. It had... Dave Batista, who's a similar level of name. Right. They're all, I w- right. at the time, I would say B-list, not as an insult, but they're all on the same sure, level. Sure, they were right. all batting the same, you know, average right. or so. But this okay. for, for this ensemble, you have names like Angelina Jolie, who's been Tomb Raider, and then you have Makari, the deaf actress, who I don't know her name, and I feel bad for that. Like, it's it's too much of a, a divide, right. you know? So sure. either go Or all- Angelina, she can't be a part of an ensemble anymore. <laughs> But well, she's she's the mightiest warrior in Greek mythology, so it makes sense. But I, I uh, you're kind of getting at something that I this should have been multiple movies or a series, ten episodes maybe. Yeah, th- this should have been yeah a series or multiple movies because think about all the ensemble things we know and love. You mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. How many of them are there? Just the think. two. And the, the, what they cross over into. No, no, I mean, how many people? Oh, oh, there's, sorry. There's five guardians. Yeah, five right, guardians. Five, right? Okay, what do we love? We love Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. How many people are there? Sure. You got Han, Luke, Leia, Leia. right? You throw Chewie in, maybe R2 and 3PO. Yeah, I mean, about 500 stormtroopers. That's still right. not, that's still not 10, well, and, and right? That's six Think, at most. Who's who? What about, what, oh, let's go to the other, let's go the other way. Star Trek. Who's how many? Sure, that's an ensemble cast. Crew, you know how how many is there? There's less than ten. Yeah, absolutely, half a dozen that you're right? concerned with. So the, that's what I'm saying. I think that there is an actual number of ensemble in an ensemble cast that you start, but if you get beyond that, it stresses the viewer out. Sure. I really think it does. I believe it. I think the number might be somewhere around six because I think like Friends has like six sure. characters in it, and that was a huge, giant, popular show. Avengers tra- had six. Right. So, but Avengers had buildup. They gave right, everybody right. individual. It had, had lots of time to get. It had invested. four or five other you know, movies you know, to each introduce exactly. the characters. But a, a team of six. This is the biggest team, right? In all of the Marvel universe, and it tries to put them all into one. Right. That's it. I and and I think we're all saying the same thing. Yep. This movie got way too ambitious. It did. And and here is kind of my thesis statement for what's wrong with it. Is it? It tried to do. Too much and introduce too many new characters. There's a argument you could say fourteen new characters. Sure, I had zero emotional investment by the time we got to Act Three. I was just, I even thought about taking notes, you know, because I'm like, you know, the third time I watched it, I thought, okay, well, you know, I knew we were going to do this. I, I I really thought about taking some notes, but then I'm like, uh, what am I going to write down? I can't stand this guy. What the heck was that all? (laughs) Why'd they do that? Okay, well. (laughs) <laughs> we haven't even really got through. We kind of went off the, 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 the radar here. But anyway, let's get back to the movie. So we're in London in the present day, and we're running around with Cersei. Sprite lives with her. And, dude, first of all, we want to say some good things. Leah McHugh, the girl who played Sprite, mm-hmm. she did great. Yeah, she did fun. That she was great. Made the character kind of alive. Yeah, that was, that was. Saw she was conflicted. Yeah. You, you, you believed uh, Kingo's uh, Peter Pan analogy. It's for sure. So much. That absolutely. Was, absolutely. That was great. Good job. Knocked well, that's it out of the, the thing. She's supposed to be kind of the, the pixie yes. lost between generations. Right. Exactly. That kind of thing. Is the poor, like, when she was like, why did he make me a child? 
if we, we don't age. What the heck? What a curse. You know, yeah. To that's be kind eternally of a, a oh, child. You mean, you mean Erisha made another yeah. mistake? Gets you back to asking about all the, the angels and their judgment. Now, I, I'll set this up because they put something in her mouth at one point that made me go like, what is going on with this movie? <laughs> because I didn't see this in the theaters. The first time I saw it is when I saw it in Disney+. Plus. Sure. So I knew its reputation. I knew it's got like it's the first rotten movie on Rotten Tomatoes from Marvel. Okay. And 44%. Uh, yeah, 44%. It's the f- first rotten one. It's not even Oof. fresh. Uh, so I was sitting here like looking for stuff. Like I'm like looking for stuff. <laughs> and one of the things that did shoot out to me, and this is such a nitpick on my part, but still, the deviants were supposed to be defeated, but they're <laughs> back. And that's the thing. One of them shows up in London. And Cersei and her boyfriend, Jon Snow, <laughs> um, and Sprite get attacked by this thing. And they're fighting it. Icarus shows up to save the day. But at some point, that this thing can heal itself. Fine. Then they say, oh, no, they're back. The deviants are back. So they, we got to go talk to Ajax. And they go to where Ajax lives in South Dakota. And she's dead. Dun, dun, and dun. then at one point, Sprite said, that deviant stole her powers. And I'm like, how did she get there from what? there? Yeah. Right? Really? I, yeah. The minute I saw the deviant heal itself, I'm like, there is another eternal that can heal itself. So they're evolving or they're stealing right. or they're cheating. Right. But what I'm saying is that Sprite was like, the deviant stole Ajax's powers. And we're like, why did, how did you make that conclusion? You just jumped to that conclusion. Because I the, jumped to that conclusion. Because <laughs> the, right? Oh, really? That's but, what I'm saying. But the I didn't deviants, get that. The all de- I saw that was like Ajax got turned to stone or whatever. That's all I saw. But the Deviants had never stolen powers before. Right. So the only reason she knew that is because the writers knew that. And maybe the viewers knew that, but she shouldn't know that. That's what I'm sure. saying. The character shouldn't know that. because And the character didn't need to say that at all because later when that Deviant attacks Gilgamesh and does take his powers, everyone sees it right. happen. So at that point, you're supposed to think so, back. It's called a callback. You're supposed to think back and be like, oh, that's why it can heal itself because it took Ajax powers. We didn't need to. See, I saw it happen. He's like, oh my gosh, he's going to get an iron fist. Some of this. What I'm saying to you, though, is though, you should support me on this because this is the telling, not showing yes. that you don't like. That character did not need to say that line. This is the stuff that used to get you so burnt up when we'd be role-playing or something. You'd be like, there's no way that character would even know that. Yes, exactly. It's player knowledge, not character knowledge. Right. It is 100% the player knowledge versus the character knowledge. That's right. (laughs) It does take you right out of it, doesn't it? Right. It'd be like, oh, um, uh, I know what to do with this monster. I know you have to hit it. And I'm like, your character is a farm boy. (laughs) That's right. There's no way you'd know that. There's no way you'd know that. And And, And since you brought it up, yeah, that's one of my other big... My second beef, my main beef is it's too ambitious. It tried to do too much. Yep. My second beef is that it tells us and it doesn't show us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big Erishim monologue where we're just being told all this history. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the problem when you cover like 7,000 years and all of time. And there's already things that are really hard to believe. And now yeah. you've got this God telling you this you know, story. It, it does a lot of sh- it does a lot of telling you about things that have happened, and then it's so because it's so expansive and it's so ambitious. You know, like you said, Brad, you didn't care about any characters because none, none of the characters really ever had time to breathe to yep. become fully characters, right. and you never invest in the characters. I think that was your word when we were mm-hmm. hanging out the other night, Brad. I didn't invest in any of these characters because the movie doesn't give you time to invest in any of the characters and you're right. just 
That's why it's hard to pay attention to. And it's like Kevin says, there's more than six people. Like, who do you focus on? <laughs> right. There's <laughs> so much. So I'm going to do this super fast now so we can get to the fun stuff. So put on your roller coaster hat. Is there a roller coaster hat? There is now. Sure. Put your arms up and make sure they yeah. don't did go outside the car. Plus two roller did Kevin just give us a very quiet shush while he reads? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm just the... going to go through this because I still want to go over these eight biggest right. problems, and we're hitting on some of them, so uh, it'd be kind of fun to go through this. So they fight this deviant. They go off to South Dakota where they find Ajax dead. Then they're like, this is a big problem. A deviant must have done this. So then they go find Kingo in Bollywood, and that's all great. Mm-hmm. Um I, I love how... That was a fun scene. Uh, right. I love how... Oh, yeah. Actually, Scott, you can come back. We can kind of talk about this a tiny bit. Yeah. Kingo came scene. back. So uh, we get to see his, like, how he's, he's, he's a Bollywood star, and we, we got the... I, I love the scene in the plane where he's, like... This he's is like, my great-grandfather. This, this is my grandfather. Right? Yeah. It's, he's... That's smart immortal stuff. Like, right. if you are playing with immortal characters, you got to write that in. Like, right. we have the sad story of Sprite, who's like, I'm forever a little kid. But we also have Kingo, who's like, hey, I'm a movie star in yeah. every generation because I can be. That's wonderful. Also got to give a shout out to Harish Patel, who plays Karun Patel. Oh, his valet. He was so much fun. Great. That was... That can, was we, can we talk about Patel yes, for a moment? Was great, he man. was... One of my favorites. Yeah, it's a highlight of this movie. I a think. highlight of this movie. I think he yeah. was uh, his. He's just a brave little guy, yeah. and he's always. He got was a his camera. Batman. Yeah. He was. You his, always have to his, have a backup. Yeah, he was his sidekick. Mm-hmm. And other than Dane, who we see for like ten minutes, Karun is really our human connection to this celestial battle, like the battle for humanity that's taking place in space and planets and on Earth uh, right sure. now. Karun's the only guy, and he has a camera every time they destroy one. I love it. He's like, I always right. have a backup. Pop quiz. If you had to pick a sidekick, would you want Karun Patel from Eternals, Luis from Ant-Man, or Katie from Shang-Chi? Ooh. So Aquafina, uh, Michael Pena, or Or Patel? Patel. I'm taking Aquafina and her 10 teeth. Can Karun Patel um, cook? Because I love Indian food. (laughs) We'll say yes because he's a valet. I think he would try because he's that devoted. Yes, then I'm taking him. And I, and I think he compliments Gilgamesh on his food and beer. So, yeah. no, Karun has such a heart in this movie that it is like uh, Aquafina would be great because I'm sure she has bars and jokes and she knows how to drive. So that would be the, the that'd be the close tie. But uh, Karun, he he's the one that says I get to watch the original superheroes and that's it's right. been an honor he's to help you and be around. So. The biggest heart. That's, that's exactly right. That's, that's the, the name of the part about him. Mm-hmm. But I love the way Luis tells a story. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I could watch a whole movie of him doing yeah. nothing but explaining how it got to here. Where's our, where's our Marvel show called Luis? Yes. There it is. That would be awesome. All right. So they head over to Australia where they find Gilgamesh and Thena and they had just been attacked by a deviant, which sent Thena's mad weary off. And she's been drawing these crazy pictures. that and screaming about like Cersei 6 or something. Yeah, and, and we're all going to die. And about how the village gets blown up or right. something like that. And this is where at one point they tell Cersei. So Cersei, when they found the dead Ajax, a crazy little glow ball came out of Ajax and went into Cersei. It's a throat cell phone. Yeah, and <laughs> she can contact Arishem. Yes. Um, and she does it for a second, but then it went away, and she's been trying to recontact him, but she can't. Well, she um, got that when she was on the ship, like right in the opening sequence. Right. The little thing goes, I was like, everybody um, get one of those? Boop, boop, boop. So, oh, no, I think, I thought what you were talking about more is where it's obvious that Ajax is actually gave bequeathing it, power to Cersei, to Cersei yeah, right. yeah. in that scene. So then Cersei tries again and finally gets a hold of Arishem, and this is where 
he went through his big monologue, right? Where he told us and kind of, sort of, yeah, showed us, sort of. Here's all the information you yeah. need to know for the well, second and act. It, it was probably only two or three minutes, but it seemed to just that seemed yeah. to go on for a long time. Some of it has to do with the giant celestial body moving in slow motion. That's a, lot, a lot of information. But this is where it we made find me appreciate out. Appreciate my sound system though, because I got like a little subwoofer and it was like, whoop, uh, that's great. This is where you find out that Thena's actually not crazy and she's remembering stuff because Cersei finds out from Erishem that, oh, we're actually created to protect the life on this planet from the deviants because the life on this planet needs to get to a certain point because there is a celestial baby in a the baby. core of the earth who feeds on the life force of humans it's like and it worst. needs to get to a certain point before it can be born and when it's born of course it destroys the entire world because it comes out of the world but that's okay because it makes new universes and worlds it's like the worst so, kinder egg ever so the, <laughs> the sacrifice of one world leads to the creation of many more worlds so did you guys just eat this up and be like oh yep that sounds about right I was like this is the dumbest thing <laughs> This is the dumbest motivation, the dumbest uh, explanation. Are, were these guys supposed to be heroes? We're supposed to feel good about the Amarat or and Tiamat and whatever. We're supposed Arishim to feel, Arishim. And Tiamat. Yeah, we're supposed to feel good about this. We're supposed to be like, oh, okay, that's how it happens. It's well, I mean, it's, let's watch eight more it's movies very about this stuff. Logical, very tactical. It's very. We're going to give up five billion to create hundreds of billions. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. I get that, but. I, that's it. That's all I get. I get it on concept, that, and then the rest of me just goes, are you kidding? Yeah. And, of, of course, she finds out that the Deviants, both the Deviants and the Eternals were created by Erishim. Apparently, Erishim sent the Deviants out first to take care of the Apex Predators. To take care of the Apex Predators, but then they start becoming Predators themselves. And so you need the cleanup crew, which is the, the Eternals. Eternals. Which is... So... Here, and then the Internals, which are actually even smaller, and they got they take care of the problems of the... This, Eternals caused. This feels like as, as good a time as any to talk about. Let's talk about Erishim's track record. Because Erishim, who is the prime celestial, he, he, he's made some mistakes. Hey, I made these deviants to control apex predators, and uh, they didn't work out. So uh, then I made Eternals to fix the deviants, and, well, sometimes they glitch out, and they start killing each other. There was an old lady who swallowed say, a fly. I was there a rhyme about a lady swallowing uh, but that's antidotes? I, I I don't know. I'm with you. It is silly. It's sort of like, oh, I sent out this thing, so I sent out another thing to correct it, and now I'm sending out another thing to correct that. But for for as as large of a scope as this is, we're talking about humanity and planets and life forms in space. Sure, and millions of years and supreme power. And but it's the, it's the old philosophical problem. It's the trolley problem. Do you divert the train to kill one person to save five? Or do you just let things happen? Well, if you're the celestial being and you made the trolley, maybe don't put it in that old. Maybe but just they don't have create to that have situation. The energy from smart people like you and me. Sure. What I do like about it, though, for as basic as a philosophy as this is on such a grand scale, I do like that out of our ensemble cast, we don't just get a one big team up like, oh, Erisham's wrong. Let's all just go kill him. There sure. is there is some divide. They did right. make it complex. They made everybody sort of have a little bit of individuality and a little bit of agency. And like Druid, Druid goes off. Sprite joins Icarus. Mm -hmm. 
who turns out in the second act is now the bad guy. Like right. they learn they're robots, and also Icarus is like, "Oh yeah, I knew this whole time. Sorry, I'm a jerk, but I whatever." Meant to tell you, but and I killed Ajax, oh. by the way. Oh what? Well, remember, I'm the dude who flies up into the sun. How trustworthy did you think I was going to be? Well, but no, I and I actually kind of like this because what's one of the oldest knocks on MCU movies? Oh, really forgettable villains. Well, and there's always that really generic villain swap right at the end where here's the bad guy, but here's this other new bad guy. The different villains and how they're how you move through, because first, it might be Druig as the villains, and or it might be Erishim. He's definitely a villain. And then it becomes uh, uh, the Deviants. They're the villains. And then it becomes the, De- you know, and then it's Icarus, and then he's the villain. And, yeah. you know, it was a great advance through the multiple villains that we knew all along and they were there. And I don't know, I, I believe their motivations for why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, even down to the fact of some Hayek's character choosing Ajax, choosing seriously to be the leader and not Icarus. And that's it. Right. Well, of course this all split up because Cersei loves the people of earth. They did a good job of establishing that in the, in the story. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one of the through lines that I actually got out of this is that she loves the people of Earth. So she's like, I can't let them die with this birth of this celestial because I love them too much. That's it. And then, of course, Icarus is like, ah, I don't know why I ever married you. Of course you love the people of Earth. <laughs> it's like, he's like, the he's like, our mission is to do this, and I'm following through with the mission. So I'm not part of it, you know, you know uh, so that created the descent, which is fine. I mean, it, it, it makes sense that some of them are like, well, He's the only one who knew what they were actually doing, so it makes right. sense that he was fine with it because he had millennia to be like, this is what we're doing here. And and to Scotty's point, it's a smartly written villain in that he's not just evil for the sake of evil. Like, because he's an eternal, because he's an immortal, he knows that, okay, yes, we're losing one Earth, but we're losing one Earth to create mm-hmm. 10 Earths, 100 Earths? Yeah. You he know? does have his motivation, yes. I'm sorry you like the ones with spots and the weird hair on this Earth, but there's going to be more Earths, but... You know, that's that's the that's the argument. But this is the earth I'm on. Right. But that is the heart of this movie. That's why Karun is here. This is that's why they show the relationships between the Eternals. It's because that's what humanity is. It's loving and laughing and living and all that stuff. And so I, I do like Kevin, I do appreciate the sort of humanity's good, don't just blow us up. Yeah. Even though there's a, a celestial baby inside of us. So they decide they need to do something, they need to get the uh, the last eternal on board. Which is Fastos. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Gilgamesh got killed. Huh? <laughs> and, and absorbed by Crow. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. a scene. So they go find Fastos, who has a husband and a kid. And um, the classic, he has embraced humanity and now right. doesn't want to risk losing what right. he's built. They um, had that touching scene where he also did the atomic bomb. Like, that okay. was him. That, okay, that was... I am I jumping a, ahead? No, I have a huge problem with that scene. Sure. Okay, go for it. Huge. Lay it on me. How are the two of them standing there after Hiroshima blew up? Why Why are they there? How are they there? Right. This is my biggest problem with the movie. Other than... <laughs> other this? than I love it. This? No, other than the fact Icarus can fly, that's fine. Kamal Nujani has a jet, that's fine. But there's so many times where they got to places and I have no idea how they got there. There's or why they would be there. Or, yeah, yeah, sure. Why are you there? How are you there? Valid. How in the bloody hell <laughs> is are he and Ajax, who can't fly, during, you know, standing there in the ruins of Hiroshima? How? It's valid. I don't, I don't know. know, man. They're eternal. 
Well, if they all could fly, like Icarus, that was I a long to walk to get right there. That's what I'm saying. They didn't have like a truck or no. a motor scooter. No, or right. The 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 ship wasn't like in the you, yeah. Domo was didn't even know about the ship right. until later. Right. How in the bloody hell during World War Two? Yeah. Did you get your? That was the dumbest. Th- that so took me out of the movie. I'm a huge history guy. Fair enough. I'm a huge World War. I'm a huge World War Two history guy, and I'm like, how in the bloody I, uh, uh, I was this dumb. It, that was dumb. That was dumb. I don't care about the gay kiss with his husband. I could give a crap. Oh, that was beautiful. You know what I care about? That's what you get from Disney. Why is he standing in Hiroshima? That's what right. I care about. Right. That 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 that's what I'm upset about. <laughs> yeah, I'd, going back just just to, to put the fluffy side on it, I did like the the relationship between him and his husband and the son. I thought it was hilarious. I thought they did a good job. It's great. Maybe some of that, maybe some of that's later, uh, when we see how funny that kid is, and some of the. the oh yeah, when he's subtle, talking to Athena. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. Drop the A. Sorry, it's just Athena. Right. Yeah. No, but not that this justifies it. But this movie doesn't spend time on travel or showing like transition. It's just we're in Babylon. We're in we're in the Amazon. Oh, we're in in Australia. Oh, we're in South Dakota. Oh, we're in outer space. Oh, we're on this planet. Oh, we're at this volcano like Okay, well, but the sea but it. some of that's fine. They go to South Dakota with Icarus, he can fly. That's fine. Kamel's the one who flies them to Australia. That's fine. I get all this stuff. The, yeah, the, those logistics are explained. Right. If Kamel is there, I assume they took his plane. That's fine. I don't know how in the middle of a active war, a hot war, the two of them are standing in a just bombed place. Sure. It was a weird decision. It was very strange. There would have been, like, it wasn't a desolate wasteland. There was Japanese soldiers running all over the place. They were pulling people out. There was medical personnel. It was bedlam. But they are just in this desolate, like, post-apocalyptic wasteland. It it was... I get nope. it. I get it. Nope. Sorry. It's a, it's a quick trigger to show why Faistus is done because that was one of the biggest tragedies in because humankind. He had so become death. Yeah. Well, it's, I think one of my big problems with this is they're taking all of our stuff away from us. That's why I like. Oh, that that humanity didn't achieve. Yeah, the humanity didn't bomb. do anything. Oh, right. It, it was, was all Eternals. Eternals. Yeah. And it's bracelets. It's to me. It's like. And everybody's but, bracelets, everybody's magic bracelets. That's kind of the comment I made about the whole BC BCE thing. Is that in the opening scrawl, they essentially say, hey, the universe was created by celestials. So, like, all the history you know is no longer valid. That's okay. the point I was trying to make. I is, guess. Like, they, yeah, they, they a, do set that up. It's another place in the multiverse. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay, it's fine. You don't have to defend it. I don't want to get bogged down with that business. Oh, but you'll get bogged down in World War II and yes. the second scene? Yes, because it, it triggered me. Anyway, so we have our lines. The good guys, the bad guys, and then Kamal, who decided, I, I should call him by his his characters Kingo 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 who decides like I'm not gonna fight against our mission or my friends so yeah, I'm gonna go home laissez-faire kind of just out of nowhere just like hey I'm out of here guys All see right. ya here I am going to defend this position because yeah I agree I, yeah, well, I can understand jump out maybe that's a part of the story that will be revealed later I mean, because he just literally disappears and is completely unaccounted for. It'll be in the Eternals Christmas episode. Maybe the holiday special. So, listen, I love that character so much. I love Camille Nanjani so much. I am going to hope that there was something else that will be revealed to us at a later date, and we're going to get more Kingo. Because, I mean, unless you were, like, keeping tally or calling roll before the fight, it took a minute to realize it did. who was wait, there wait, and who wasn't. Dead? I didn't oh, really oh, miss nope, him. He's dead now, and he's dead. Yeah. I had to think about it later and be like, oh, yeah, where did he go? Yeah. 
Yeah, so this all led into our big giant third act, like you said. There's yeah. some people are missing. They find the island where the emergence is going to happen, where he comes out of. Another and, pretty location. And so we have this big giant third act <laughs> where we the, they find the island in the Indian Ocean where there's a volcano happening, and that's where the celestial is going to emerge from. It's going to be the emergence, and they have a plan to stop him. Fastos decided that he can make a uni mind and unite all their powers together, and then they can have Druig make the celestial go to sleep. Yeah. All right, I have two comments at this point in the movie. Number one, one of my favorite. This I think this was a real. Marvel comedic scene where he's like Unimine, and they're like, "That's the dumbest." I thought it was brainstorm in the writers' room or something. That came from an actual Eternals comic. Yes, it was in it. It was in it. Yeah, because there's all kinds of. It was written on a Friday afternoon, shortly before publication. Possibly, but I love that all the characters called him out immediately and was like, "No, that's terrible." Yeah, I thought that was a really great little the things, the moments in Marvel that make me love it. But they're little quips, absolutely. The other side of that, what was the next thing he said after that? Druig was going to make the guy go to sleep. Druig was going to yes. make the guy go to sleep. And I will give full props to my beautiful wife, who pointed out at this moment in the movie, why is that such a big deal? Isn't there another character that made a, a Celestial go to sleep? We have seen it before. Mantis? Ego? Right. Didn't she make Ego go to sleep pretty regularly? Is Ego qualified as a Celestial? Absolutely. Ego, was a, yeah. Ego introduces himself as a Celestial. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't even a consideration in my mind for me. I... It's based and didn't even connect the two. Well, and the and and as I have continued to think about it, maybe Mantis can put Ego to sleep because remember she raised him from a larva to do exactly what she does. So maybe it's just a lot harder if you've never met the Celestial before to uh, put him to sleep. Again, Mantis puts a Celestial to sleep. Is it that big a deal to put a Celestial to sleep? It it probably isn't. My, my loose speculation justification is that Druig has sort of been against his boss since he found out that his boss was jerking him around. Sure. And that's what I mean. He was one of the first ones to tap out out of anybody. Like I think he was the first to tap out of the whole group, and then eventually the rest of the group shattered. So Druig, I think, says it would take a lot of power to do it, and he probably could, but he doesn't really want to because volume. I mean, you know, planet sized. Absolutely. But I forgot about Mantis. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. But he gets, he gets, Druid gets taken by Icarus, so Cersei has to do it herself. We have a big battle. The the Crow, the Deviant. Crow, is that his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Based on Kronos. Uh, Crow, the Deviant, shows back up, and he and Thena have a big fight. And uh, Cersei realizes that she's the only one who can stop it, and I'm going to turn him into Marvel. And that's All what right. they, yeah. So another thing that bumped me about this movie, what was the point of the Deviant? Right. I, I felt like there was this whole storyline that was developing about, oh, wow, yeah, it does kind of suck to be a deviant. And they're going to be angry, and they're going to have a whole story and a mythos, and then she cuts some, like, bad pepperoni. Yep. Uh, I think that's the fate of the bad guy, but... Uh, the it was de- a wasted bad guy. Right. I'm going to take this opportunity now that we're pretty much near the end of the movie to go over these eight things because you brought up number one on the eight things. Number one. This is um, thedirect.com pulled this together. These are the eight biggest problems they found uh, for this movie that they found through critics' ratings in the internet. They left off the one that was some people who were saying that this movie isn't enough of a Chloe Zhao movie. And people were saying this movie's too much of a Chloe Zhao movie. So we take those ones out because, come on. So the first one was The Deviants. The Deviants in uh, the comics 
are kind of the exact opposite of the Eternals. They're kind of equals to them. They're not just ravaging, senseless monsters in the comics. They um, kind of came across a little Michael Bay. Like, you couldn't right. focus on them. You didn't know what they looked like. They're just, oh, let's just make them messy. That'll make up for having to put too much detail in there. The, sure. the Deviants were pretty much all like Crow was in the comics. Yeah, some variation of it. It's the Cloverfield monster. It's yeah. the Avatar creatures. It's just, they look But they like- were smarter, though. They were smart, and they could think, and they were truly the match for the Eternals because they could strategize, they could think, guess who's supposed to be have Deviant in them? Thanos. Yep. Okay. This wasn't Thanos. Nope. This was just a bunch of Michael Bay monsters. That was one of the problems. Um, another problem they had was this was just a mediocre punch fest. Um, True. Especially after it came off the heels of Shang Chi, where they had some actual kung fu chops, kung fu fight scenes, and it just was like just a regular old punch fest that we've seen before. The third one. Did Gemma Chan and Richard Madden as Cersei and Icarus have any chemistry at all? Had they ever met before? Yes. Because they had zero chemistry. Seemed like a blind date. The the number four, we've talked about this a bunch of times already. So many characters. Oh, my goodness. Too many characters for everyone. Too many characters. Too many characters. The fifth one they have on there, this was an idea fest. There were so many new ideas in this. Almost too many new ideas. And no one said no to anything. Right. That we know about. The next one, runtime was poorly paced. You can have movies that are three hours long, and sure. if they're if they're paced properly, no one notices. People will go like, "Oh my god!" When you get out of the movie theater and you look at your watch, you're like, "Oh my god, is it almost midnight?" I love that moment, you know. And Marvel's done that lots of times before. Yes, they've for done sure. Lots of times, but before. not on this one. Yes. This one, uh, did you write this, Scott? Exposition tells us, doesn't show us. <laughs> Somebody's been listening to our show. Did I not tell you guys that? <laughs> and the last one is. You leave more excited about the future than the present. Um, mm, really? That's for sure. Yes. Do we want to talk about that? Well, let's, we have to talk about it, but they crammed a lot in the last five minutes. Of Basically, the, um, what they're saying is that the two after credit scenes were better than anything that was in the they previous They kind of were. <laughs> it left me with more questions no, and more interest I have a lot to say about this movie, and most of it is about the final two well, Pack it up, exactly. tough guy. Let's start you wrote, so, you wrote those notes. But that's the thing. So basically, I think a lot of us might agree with a lot of those things. Does anyone have anything to comment on those eight things other than we did already? No, we um, covered it pretty well, I but think. But like we said, at the end, Cersei changes the Celestial to Marble and then has to face judgment because Arishim shows back up and is like, hey, man. Because of course he will. What are you doing? You, you, you messed up the plan. <laughs> and half of the half of the Eternals are gone on a ship. They left on the... The Domo. The on Domo. the Domo. On the Domo. Um, and the other ones who are left are like, oh, no. And, of course, Cersei gets pulled away while Jon Snow was saying, like, I have something to tell you about my family, which pays off in an end credit right. scene. <laughs> so we get two end credit scenes. The first one... Now, I have to say, I feel old because as much as I like my teenager music, I usually like the female singers in the teenager music Mm -hmm. because when Harry Styles showed up as Eros slash Star Fox, well, first of all, Patton Oswalt's voice was obvious. I'm like, that's Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt. And then uh, Harry Styles shows up and my kids go, is that Harry Styles? And I'm like, I don't know. I had to be told too. I didn't know. I'm such an old Okay. I'm watching it with my kid, and my kid is like, oh, my God, that's Harry yeah. Styles. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> hmm? Introduced as Thanos' brother, and which all tracks with the comic book. Uh, Star Fox slash Eros is Thanos' brother. 
They're right. both from Titan. Okay. Um, and the MCU picks different pieces of Marvel Comics canon mm-hmm. and implements them into the movie. So he's introduced as an Eternal and as a Titan. My understanding is those are two different things. Titans are from the planet Titan. Thanos was the mad Titan who, and, and there's a part that I remember that Thanos has deviant syndrome or right. Thanos is infected with, that's why he's purple and Star Fox is not. There you go. But he's Eros. He's the, you know, the uh, uh, god of love and Cupid. he's a womanizer and he's Cupid and he runs around. Pip's also, I mean, these are two big characters in the comic books, both Pip and Star Fox. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see more Pat Oswalt as Pip. For sure. And then the other end credit scene, we get Jon Snow revealing what his family secret was. The ebony sword. The ebony blade, sorry. Yeah, he has this crazy cursed blade, which, um, if anyone knows anything about Marvel, is the Black Knight's blade. So does, does that mean we're getting Jon Snow as the Black Knight in the future? Absolutely confirmed. Yes. Sounds exciting. Color Dane Whitman is the Black Knight. Color me excited. Because that is something I can get behind. And doubly excited because there's a voice we hear when he picks up the blade and he says, are you sure you want to do that, Mr. Whitman? Do you know, do we know who that voice is? We absolutely do know who that voice who is. Who is it, Scotty? Well, Chloe Zhao actually confirmed in an interview afterward that that is the voice of, in 2019, cast as the character Blade, Marshala Hali. Right on. Oh, Blade. Did I say that name nice. right? So he's already on his tail. So that is like the 13th or 14th character that we introduce is Blade. It's off screen and it's just a voiceover, but it is confirmed that is Blade who is asking him, are you ready for that? Frost! And, oh, I love and Blade. there's a couple of different, do we want to talk Black Knight now? Because now we're getting into the parts of this movie that get me the absolute most excited. Yeah, you're the, you're the person that is more excited about the future than the present. Absolutely. So at one point in the movie, Cersei tells Dane, call your uncle, make up with your uncle, or, or there's a reference to calling your uncle. Mm-hmm. Dane Whitman, in the comic book lore, his uncle is Nathan Garrett. Uh, Nathan Garrett is the Black Knight. Um, How do you become the Black Knight? You wield the Ebony Blade. The Ebony Blade has been in his family, because remember, he tells Cersei, I've got a complicated family history. Well, they've been killing people for thousands of years. (laughs) And Nathan Garrett is actually a bad guy. The previous Black Knight is not someone who you want to mess with. Lots of powers. Yeah. Come with the ebony blade. Uh, it can cut anything. It can deflect magic. It can protect the user from death. But unfortunately, all that good stuff comes with, of course, a curse. Of course. And uh, the curse is a bloodlust. What does the blade say? Uh, death is his reward. Death is my reward, yes. And the more you kill with it, the more the blade is going to make you want to kill. But, okay, so they, like, when Athena is messing around with the sword earlier in That's the movie. Excalibur. Yes, that's the Which is opposite. the opposite of the ebony blade. Okay, just because of the dialogue, I thought they were trying to make it one and the same, but they are... No. Oh, it's the opposite. That may, Okay, I'm clarified now. Good. Nope. I was Excalibur's like, how is the opposite. How does Excalibur give you bloodlust? He was such a good dude. Okay, that was my confusion. In short, the, the blade brings death. In the comic books, when Dane Whitman gets the blade, he's still pure of heart. He's going to be a good guy. He's going to do good with it. There you go. But the blade wants one thing. It wants to kill people. It wants blood. In the comic books, is somebody running around with Excalibur? Uh, oh, yeah, throughout different parts. Now, yeah. okay. There's a whole yeah. King Arthur. Yeah, there's thing. a whole King Arthur and Arthurian part to it. But yeah, the Ebony Blade and the Black Knight is a big player in lots of other properties. Uh, and 
he was more popular kind of after my main time in comic books, but as in the last 15 years, mm-hmm. Black Knight's been a big deal. But uh, yeah, he's been around since the 70s, uh, but he's gotten a lot, uh, a lot of play here in the Marvel comic universe last Eight. couple of years. They're doing that Marvel thing. They're setting us up like six steps ahead. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Speaking of setting up, uh-oh, really? Because this is my favorite part, um, and my favorite thing to look forward to is a little team up called Midnight Suns. Yes, that was a big part of my wheelhouse. It had all the characters that I was into, but begs the question: Is are we setting up Midnight Suns? Midnight Suns were basically the mystical supernatural answer to the Avengers. The Avengers, but against the occult. But against the occult, and they are assembled by none other than Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange. A main player coming up, yeah. And I think everyone can see Doctor Strange, and I said this to all of you privately, he's the new Tony Stark. Yes, of course. He will be the linchpin of all of Phase 4 and moving forward, and I really hope they are bringing in uh, the Midnight Suns. Oh, it'd be great. That's such a great run for sure. There are so many, and there's. it's like Avengers. There's been a rotating cast over the years. Some of the people that have been included, of course, uh, Ghost Rider, both of them, Daniel <laughs> Ketch and Johnny Blaze. <laughs> Johnny Blaze, right. original. Morbius. Who they're just putting uh, a movie out for. In. Darkhold Redeemers, there you which go. we've seen the Darkhold. Anybody remember where we've seen Darkhold? Hawkeye. No, the other one. Final episode yeah, of WandaVision. Yeah, WandaVision. She is reading The Darkhold. Ooh. WandaVision. Yes. Werewolf by Night, Iron Fist. Uh, the- Wong was in the Midnight Suns. Wasn't Moon Knight a part of that, too? As a matter of fact, Moon Knight was Me. absolutely uh, a part and of they're bringing the up Midnight his Suns. Oh, they're definitely doing Midnight Suns. Yeah. That's right. There's been, I mean, a whole bunch of characters that a whole bunch of people's never heard of, but there are so many things uh, that they brought up of Midnight Suns lore um, that just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have that comic book. Please, <laughs> please do Midnight Suns. So yeah, uh, there is, a, a year ago, I found one reference to a ghostwriter. It was an article from like May of 21 that there was going to be a ghostwriter appearance in Doctor Strange, which ghostwriter is another one of my characters. I read a bunch as a kid. Sure. He's got the flaming skull and Love not him. the Nick Cage ghostwriter. I don't care. <laughs> What you say, Mikey. I'll fight you for it. That's right. So I really hope they're setting up Midnight Suns. Black Knight was never a member of the Midnight Suns, but it's all kind of been around them and been part of that. Yeah, they're fighting the same world. So I'd be curious uh, to see if Ghost Rider does show up because I think he's involved in the rights battle that that Spider-Man had. But we'll see how that goes. I think you're right. I think he was owned and sold off to somebody else. And when they fight over rights, nerds lose. (laughs) But I think Kevin is right. That's a valid complaint. I'm more excited for the future of where the Eternals go now than the two and a half hours we kind of just spent with them. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's wildly speculate for a second. With this failure, as far as Rotten Tomatoes goes and the critics, Yes. where do you think Eternals goes? I never need to see them again. Okay. I mean, they can show up. I just won't care. I'm more excited like Scott. I'm more excited about the last two minutes of the movie. I think when you look back, this is a very different movie from everything else that Marvel has done. It was much more adulty. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, a friend of mine said it best when I asked him. I said, Kevin, what did you think of the movie? And you said... <laughs> this was the greatest DC movie I've ever seen in my life. That's right. 
Yeah. And Marvel got DC'd on and this that one is, for some reason. Of everything I've read about this film, that is the most apt description I think I could I could hear of it because it's a lot of DC elements. It's much more adulty. There you go. Much more tried to be a little dark and broody. Dark and broody. Yeah. High powered. Yes, overpowered. Yeah, overpowered. Yep unexplainable third act fight that yeah. you know they even tried to draw us diagrams and i still don't know what any of those little lines did yep. they were just I, magic help i really felt like a lot of the characters felt derivative so much so that one of them got called out as superman right right very funny <laughs> and they make a great lampooning of that they yeah. make a jokes he's like i don't, I don't wear a cape That's that was right. great that was hilarious Everybody i saw you flying around with the laser news. eyes or yeah. or or oh you're Alfred if he's Batman you know that <laughs> whole reference uh, and and I I love that they kind of acknowledge it and poke fun at it mm-hmm. but they still did it but yeah I know they right did it and the conceit is they they were the ones that came first but nobody knows about them as much as they know about Superman or the Avengers or all those so who came first the what? Eternals apparently came first uh, oh you no. mean in the world in this fantasy world in, in as far as the Marvel scope goes they uh, Karun even calls them the original superheroes I mean they were here before everybody oh you mean like you're, in the expansive timeline you're talking about the time, you're not talking about in real life no oh no no, no. Oh, yeah, I was like yeah. Batman and Superman in, in are real life like me and Kevin about to pick a fight with know, because action no, comics no, no. was yeah right I was with Mikey in, I understood in the Marvel timeline of the universe and all things the celestial pantheon of things that are supernatural oh. they, they've been in the background and before everybody else yeah i got it but i don't worry batman and superman would be like fictional characters in the marvel world i would assume you still. would think you know loosely yeah. inspired by yeah and publication they absolutely places. came first yeah. I, I don't dispute that i was so confused all right are we ready to do pizza ratings to see where we yeah are on the rotten tomatoes scale i guess if ever they're gonna take our podcast because as one of our fans said Man, that pizza rating is so arbitrary. You guys go fast and loose with it with all your <laughs> toppings and stuff. And I'm like, that's how we like it, baby. Right. That's it's it. nonsensical sometimes. All right, I've, I've got one more observation. And oh, again, yeah, sure. Go. From my lovely wife. Yes. What's the deal with bracelets? There's a lot of bracelets in the MCU. You know what? That's true. That's true. When he started making those bracelets, I'm like, oh, are those Shane? Wait, they can't be Shane. Oh, he already had Shane those. Oh, look, bracelets. more bracelets. Right. Um, I mean, we've seen, of course, we saw bracelets in Shang-Chi. You know, we saw bracelets in the Time Heist. Remember right. in Endgame, sure. they sure. wore bracelets to do that. Hawkeye, um, you got Agent 19's watch. Hawk, yep. Um, mm-hmm. Spider Man, I mean, his kind of things and the main thing is oh, in well, bracelets. I mean, is um, there some Black ju- Widow had bracelets you pump bunch yeah. people with. When Doctor Strange activates the Time Stone, he gets time bracelets. Okay, I mean, I I do get and appreciate what you're saying, but. I'm going to riff on you for a second. What's the deal with all these pants? Have you noticed all the bad guys, all the good guys, they're all wearing pants? Is it? I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> is somebody selling these bracelets? Is there a marketing thing? Is it a coincidence? I'm just saying, there is seems there... to be a lot of bracelets in the MCU. I, I, I have it on good authority that Kevin Feige was super into jellies back in the <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> right. There you go. Bracelets, Hamaguchi's. Yeah, what does it say about Johnny Depp? I would, I would actually blame the '80s and '90s. Like that is a comic book accessory. Like give them power bracelets or give them yeah. a pouch with stuff. Sure, put oh, pouches on all their belts. Go further back, Dick Tracy watch. You know Let's the see. Dick Tracy phone. It's an accessory. Talk to his bracelet. It's a human. It's a human want or yeah. need. We have these spingly appendages that fly around. Let's dress them up with stuff. Yeah. You know, I would say so soon after Shang Chi, maybe do it a little bit different. Yeah, but maybe. That, yeah. I'm with you. All right, pizza ratings. Scott, what do you got? Well, listen, it's 
all ice cream. I love it. Again, there's a lot to like about this movie just for what it sets up in the future. I, I got to go eight slices. It's cheese, but it's eight slices. What? I did not see, I did that, not see that coming at all. I didn't see that coming at all. What? Eight slices of cheese. Wow. We're going to get letters about oh that Oh, my one. goodness. Okay. Come at me, Internet. It's, it's <laughs> nice because I thought I was the guy who only ever gave stuff eight slices. Yeah. He's but a comic book nerd. But I appreciate your caveats. Okay, you ever come off a series of bad decisions and you've only got a couple of bad decisions left that you can make <laughs> and maybe only a few dollars in your pocket and you're around the corner and you're at that gas station and you look and there's that lone piece of pizza sitting in the window. Might as well be a Gas puppy. station pizza? Gas station pizza. <laughs> lone slice. Don't even care what the topic is. Oh, are. wow. One slice oh, of gas wow. station pizza. Brad did not like this <laughs> That's movie. That's where I'm at. Wow. wow. They didn't even have any bad haircuts. The pizza? <laughs> uh, you don't know that. You're not the in my movie. Oh the my movie God. had it's no true. bad haircuts. Right. For once, no no haircuts to take oh me out of it. Gosh. Just real bad cut. That's right. Just the funderoos. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. For me, like uh, as a default, you can sort of take or leave this movie. You can watch it. You can not watch it. So that puts it at a. You can do that with anything. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad we all did. <laughs> Good job describing. We all did all of it. <laughs> My two cents is that I do enjoy the mythology. I do enjoy high-concept Marvel. I don't think it fits in with anything else in the MCU, so it's hard to connect with it because we're so used to the 25 movies of Avengers. If they had done like a Marvel Mythologies or a Marvel Lore or a Marvel Classics offshoot and made this its own thing, I think it would have survived a little bit better. But I'm a Greek mythology nerd, so I love it. Uh, I love Kumail Nanjiani. I, I do love the little bits, so it's five with one topping for me. Interesting. Oh, all right. Well, like I said, this is the uh, best DC movie I've ever seen out of all the DC movies. It, it did play like a DC movie to me, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I actually didn't hate this movie. I hated the Hiroshima part, but I didn't hate this movie that much. I think it's because I kind of went into it going like, I'm going to hate this movie. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I really don't hate this movie. <laughs> a lot of the problems with it, I think could have been fixed by making it two movies maybe or like Brad said a series absolutely think, Brad's on point I think they I think they tried to pack too much into it but I think it was well intentioned so I don't know if I want to fault them for that I'm giving it 6 out of 8 plain whoa there you go yeah a nice spread of the gamut around the table I, I'd love to see the the helping friendly book of everyone averaging out our pizza scores to see like if you could give come on the internet what you got <laughs> Or, or to even hear how you would even order out or, yeah. or, or, or par it out in any way. So uh, that's what we think. Very diverse. The, the, the cast of the movie is very diverse, and our rating was very diverse. So let us know what you think. Did you love this movie? Like, not Scott. Did you hate this movie like Brad? Uh, or were you in between like Mikey and me? Let us know. We want you to hit us up on our social medias at AssumingPod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mostly Instagram because... Well, we're on that a lot as pictures. We're visual. Uh, you can also Gmail us, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Okay. I always ask Mikey every week, how do you want the Gmail formatted? Um, if you can appear as a super celestial being outside of the planet that's also outside of my window that sends me a Gmail and then talks in a really booming, commanding voice being like, here's my opinion. Do that. <laughs> okay. Fascinating. Great. I'm going to make that happen for you later. <laughs> um, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing thank and being you. here. Not Scott Productions for our equipment and being here. Good to be with you. Jazzar for our music. 
And thank you guys for listening again. Have an eternally good week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>